0: the time. That's right. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving to the Lord. Thank you, Amy and team, for all that you do. The worship, it was great praise and worship this morning. All right, time to stand one more time. One more time. Give you that one last chance to stretch, okay? Got to be in for the long haul here. Okay. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. That I should know how to speak a word in season, to him he was weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear and to learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebelled, nor did I turn away. God bless you. you, may be seated. I want to talk to you today. I preached. To and taught several times on the shortest word in the Bible. Mike and I teach a lot on it. That's if you do something to IF. It. It's, a, it's a big word, but it's got small letters. And I came up with a long word that we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the limitlessness of God. I could have said it shorter than that. I guess I could have just said God has no limits or something like that. But I like the long word, okay? okay. The limitless of God. Now, all of us know that God is able to do anything that he desires to do. At least I think you do. If you don't, you should believe that. that. Because Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. He didn't just say abundantly. He said exceedingly abundantly. He is able to go above and beyond anything that we and our minds can even comprehend and think. But we're limited by that because our mind is a limitation sometimes. But it says that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now, I don't know about you, but I can think some pretty big things, right? And so uh, I understand that we can think big things. This is a, according to the power that works in us. What work? What power is in us to work? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's here inside of us to work. God has given us that power to empower us to be able to receive what God wants us to have and to receive the blessings that He has. But many times, God is limitlessness. He is unlimited in what He can do. He has no limits, right? He has no limits. So if there's any limits to God, where do those limits come from? It comes from us. It's our saying that we are the one that limits what God can do. God said He can do anything, okay? And He says that He will do for us as and you shall receive, right? Whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have them. All these scriptures are there, but many times we don't look at this vastness of what, what God really is. Sometimes what we need to do to get all these limits off is we need to change how we see God. Now, I don't try to put words in your mouth or anything like that as to how big you see, but I just kind of asked you, how big is your God? How big do you see your God? Now, God is so big that the highest heaven, the highest, that means, what's the highest heaven? Anybody want to know what the highest heaven is? That's the thats the one, the furthest that you can get from where you are, okay? That's the heaven, that, it's not the heaven that I can see, it's the heaven highest heaven, and we look in First Kings where it says that, it says, but First Kings 8 it says, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold the heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain thee. The highest heaven all of the heavens cannot contain God. How much less this house, which I have built, talking about the, 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 the ark and the presence of God. But Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, that's in verse 1. We get into all the stuff on the first day and all this kind of stuff, but this God created in verse 1. We don't know how much time lapsed between verse 1 and verse 2. not even going to try to get into it, okay, or what it is. But the thing about it, he created the heavens and the earth. Now, how big, how big is the heavens? How big is the heavens? The sun, I'll give you some facts. The sun is 92,955,887 miles from earth. That's a long ways. More than I can travel in my lifetime to get there. Okay? And when you look at astronomy and you look at the ways that they measure things, they measure them in what they call astronomical um, uh, units. An astronomical unit. It's called an AU. It's a unit. And they use the distance between here and the sun as a astrono- as this astronomical unit. So, therefore, it's one astronomical unit. The universe is measured in these astronomical units. The universe, not our galaxy, the universe, is 93 billion light years across. One light year is 63,000 astronomical units. That's a lot of numbers. One light year's equivalent. One light year's equivalent to six, six trillion miles. That's a really big and vast space. But the thing about it is, it's the only the visible universe that we've been able to see with telescopes. We can't see beyond that. That's as far as our telescopes will be. So, God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-good. And I want to ask this question... How big is your God? How you see God determines how you see Him as your provider, your healer, your waymaker. If you see your God too small, then your problems are bigger than He is. This results in fear and unbelief. When you realize how big God is, your problems pale or so small in comparison and you stand in awe at the mighty God that you serve, the creators of the heavens. He's the giver of life. Many times we lose sight of how big God is as we read about the life of Jesus, a man. And we lose the side of Jesus that's God. Many times when you bring your request before the Lord, you see a man, Jesus, who died on the cross for us. Yes, he did. But he was God incarnate in man. He came and took on the form of man to live among us. But he was still God. Now, give me the first slide. I don't normally do this on Sunday, but a lot of people... Now, this is supposed to be represent Jesus. It's just some guy with a robe on. But a lot of people, when they look to the person who meet, to meet their needs, that's what they see because they've seen that picture of Jesus. They see the man, Jesus. A man like you and I. He walked on the earth just like we walked on the earth. He did everything just like we walk on the earth. And many times when we look at our problems, they're bigger than us. And sometimes we say, if he's bigger than us, is he bigger Did this man called Jesus? Because we don't see past his humanity into what he was with God. We used to sing a song when I was growing up. You may have sang it, but you're not as old as me, so I don't know. Well, we used to sing this song. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. I grew up with that as a child. So what did I picture? Next slide. That's how... How many of you have that picture of God? He's got the whole world. That's, That's God. Well, if you see that, you have a bigger aspect of God and how you see God than you did when you just saw a man who died on Calvary's cross for you as a man. But we don't see God behind that man. But then, go to the next picture. This... If my pointer will work. Right there, that little dot. Right there in the center. I can't hold my hand steady. I wouldn't be a good sniper. But that little spot right there is the galaxy that we live in. That's the Milky Way. That's where we live. That's our galaxy. That little small spot. This out here all of this is the universe that we know. Each one of these little marks is a billion light years. Ninety-three light years. Ninety-three billion light years is how big our known, known, I have to leave it that way because it's probably bigger than that, our known universe now picture the hands of God holding the universe in His hands. Can you see that? Just our galaxy. I heard last night, matter of fact we were watching something last night and it was a thousand thousand years at the speed of light just to get across our galaxy and we wonder how big is God it says that this as we know it and maybe even more cannot even hold him I don't know about you but I serve a big God that God that I serve is bigger than anything that you can ever run across in this lifetime. I don't care what it is. Because I look at me, when you look at that right there, that's our entire universe. That's That's not earth. That's our entire galaxy right there. I am so minute in the vastness of God. His great vastness that He is but yet we try to put him into something that we can understand and we see it in Jesus, but we lose sight of how big God really is and how big if he's that big. If he created that, can he take care of us? You understand what I'm trying to say? We need to change how we see God because we can't look at God as a man in Jesus, yes, he died. I don't want to take anything away from that. But we have to look beyond that. I preached for many, many years. I told people, never look at me, but look through me to the one I serve because I'm not perfect. I never will be perfect. But the one that I serve is perfect. I can heal no one, but He can heal anyone, anytime. He can minister to us any need that we have. All we have to do is change the way We see God. If we truly see God in that size, to hold the entire universe cannot even comprehend Him. And you look, I'm not God, but just look at this. Standing there, holding a universe 93 billion light years wide does that give you a different vision of the God that you serve? And do you know something? That God that we serve wants to have a personal relationship with you anytime, time, day or night, that you need to talk to Him, He will sit down and have an audience with you. Now, to me, that's a big God to me. All right? So, many times, like I said, we see Jesus. But we have to look at John 1.1. 1, 1. Everybody knows it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 goes on to say, And He became flesh and lived among us. So we're talking about Jesus was the Word. It says that He was there... In the beginning, before creation, He was there for all of that. I just got to showing you. When God spoke, they spoke it into existence. Can you imagine? And He created us in His image and the ability to speak like He spoke. But we don't feel the authority to speak as God speaks. We feel less than what God says we are. He says we are adopted sons and daughters of God. Adopted means I have rights. If you're an adopted child, you have, believe it or not, an adopted child up in the year of 18 years of age has more rights than a natural child does in some states. But we have been grafted in. We've been adopted. We have inherent rights to be able to be called what? What? Sons of God. Now that's mankind's sons, daughters of God. I understand that. John 17 says, Now and now, O Father, glorify me. This is Jesus talking. Glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. He was calling on his Father and said, Let me have. Let me have, okay? Just come and be with me like we had before the foundation. He was longing for that fellowship with His Father that He had before the foundations of the world Wow, He walked on this earth as a man. He longed to be with His Father. We should long to be with our Heavenly Father. We must see God in all of His glory, bigger than the universe, Bigger than anything we can even imagine. Limiting our vision of God, His greatness. In other words, if we limit God's greatness, it limits our ability for greatness. But we are the controlling part of that. God is unchanging. God always is and always will be. Okay? He's not going to change. He's not going to change his gospel message for this generation. He's not going to change anything that his word says. Because God is unchanging. But his vastness is what we have to see. So, limiting our vision of God's greatness, how he is, will limit our ability for greatness, healings, blessings, all the things that come from God. Is limited by us. Now, how do we change that? Another thing, change that we have to make is secondly, we have to change. We have to change how you think, or how we think. If we think of God in one way, it can limit us in the things we do. So, what you think determines what you believe. What we think is what we believe what you believe determines what you can do it's a process it's a process and it's how we approach god how we approach who he is what he is the basis of who he is and understanding that proverbs 23 verse 7 says for he for as he thinks in his heart so is he we think out of our heart. Now, if we think out of our heart, what's in our heart? A little teaching this morning. Our heart. How do you put something in your heart? Now, i got some doctors over here would probably say put an IV in. Okay? If you want to get something, put an IV in the blood. It goes through the heart. So if I want something to go to the heart, I stick it in. Well, maybe we need to get a spiritual IV and get some of God's Word, put it into our veins, get it in our hearts to where we can use it. It doesn't do any good here. This is nothing more than black and red letters on a white page. I can put it there, and unless somebody moves it, when I come back Sunday, it'll still be there doing absolutely nothing but laying there. Only when I take what's in here and put it in the IV to my heart does it get there. Now, what's your IV to your heart? Put it in your mouth. Proverbs says, the mouth is the pen of a ready writer. And it's the mouth that writes upon the tables of the heart. How do I get this into here? I speak it. I read it. I see it. I get it through these eyes. I get it through these ears as I hear it read. I get it with my mouth as I speak it. And as I reach and spiritually touch it and ask it to come into my life, that's where it is. But that has to change because if you don't have, I don't know where this IV came from, but if you don't have your IV plugged in, all it does is drip to the floor. It does no benefit if it's not connected to you. The same thing is true if this is not connected to you, it is worthless to you. It means nothing as it is here. It only becomes, because they call this the living word. It's living. It brings life. It says that life and death is in the power of the tongue, right? But it's this thing that gives life. The word, not the Bible itself. It's the word in here. It gives the life. That's what has to be put in there, right? Now, change how you think. All right. Each one of us has an image on the inside of us of who we are and what we can do. How many of you have an image of what you can do in you? Oh, okay. Nobody does. I'm the only one here today that has an image of what I can do inside of me. We all do. We have one. Whether it be big, whether it be small. Sadly, life, the devil, have done a pretty good job of beating our hopes and our dreams out of us. Satan is on the rampage beating and trying to drive every blessing that God wants for us out of us so that we can walk in void with nothing that God has for us. His job is to keep us from having anything that God wants us to have. It's his job, and in some lives, he's done a pretty good job. Not only do we suffer from when this happiness, but also at others. It doesn't just affect us. If we lose something inside of us of God, it affects those around us because we can no longer contribute to their life. A child comes and says, Mom, Dad, I got this, I got that. What do I do? I don't know. What's the Bible say? Give them the word. You say, yeah, but the word doesn't. The word does, will, and always will do something. Because God promised his word. He said, my word will not what? It will not return void. You put the word out, it will not return void. You've heard that more than once from Pastor Goodluck? We say it, we believe it, right? We live with it. We cannot put these limits. Each one of us has God-given things in us that are intended for us and are intended for others. If we don't reach our full potential, when those people come around, they'll never receive the miracles and the blessings that God has for them if we're not prepared in here to give something to them out of the abundance of our heart, We give into them. We give to others. That's what Jesus did. He came and gave. He gave. He showed. He gave. He showed instruction. said, this is the way you walk. This is what you do. This is what it's all about. So, the image that's inside of us, it acts like a ceiling or a limit to what we can accomplish. I have another message I preach. It's called The Box of Life. I'm not going to preach it today, but I have one. It's a box of life. The box of life was what I call what you have accepted is your range, your abilities, and all that you can accomplish. And you live inside of that box exactly what you feel like you can do. That's that image that you have of yourself and what you can do. There's people in this church right now, and I know you are because I'm here, so I know we are, that limit ourselves in worship. Because we've always worshipped this way. We never worshipped another way. When we see someone else worship a different way, we say, what's wrong with them? You know, what are they doing? Why are they up there having a good old time? Why are they dancing? Well, the children of Israel danced like crazy when they saw all, all the chariots and all the armies and stuff behind them drowning, coming after them. They danced. They danced before the Lord. David danced before the Lord. I won't tell you how he danced, but he danced. All of you know how he danced, right? That's not literal, by the way, but I'm not going to go there. He had his kingly garments off. He had his kingly garments. He wasn't naked. They call that naked if you were in your undergarments. Huh, today, never mind. Thank you, Lord. I stopped that one from coming out. All right. Anyway. So, if we see ourselves as nobody special, then we won't be anybody special. But God never made a dud. He has plans for each of us that will exceed greatly what we've experienced or are experiencing right now. You may have felt like you have come to the highest level of blessings that you can receive. If you believe that, that's all you will ever have. I can guarantee it. Why? Because you have set a ceiling of the maximum blessing that you can receive. But we shouldn't do that. The bigger the obstacle, the bigger the obstacle is in front of us, we have to break through the box. We have to Kick the sides out, get outside of the box, and begin to live where God wants us in the vastness of his blessings. As big as the universe. That's where God wants us. But we have to think. We have to change our thinking to line up with the Word of God. The Word says you are more than a conqueror. It says you are forgiven. It says you're blessed says you are the righteousness of God. That you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. What the Bible doesn't say to the believer, you are defeated. Your sins are not forgiven. You are cursed. You are unrighteous. And, you have, and you're weak and you're beaten down. That's not what the Word of God says. The unbeliever has to live with that. I don't. You don't. As a born-again child of God, you can do all things... Through Christ that strengthens you. Begin to look at your problems. This big. With God this big. Instead of your problems this big. And God down here saying, I don't know if I can handle that. We need to look. Think differently. You can think different in a lot of things. I just looked over at Michelle and Todd over there. and made me think. We have to think the same way in our marriages. We have to think beyond where we are. What we can do. God wants great and mighty things for us. We need to just stop limiting God. Change your thinking. Start your way of thinking the way that God wants you to think. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Anything that goes against what it says in here is wrong. If it goes against this word, it's a lie. No ifs, no ands, no buts at the end of it. It is absolute. Absolute. If this word says it, it's true. If it doesn't, if somebody says it, it's a lie, they're the liar, not it. The world today is trying to get rid of this book. Because it holds the absolute, unequivocal truth of God. And he did it for us. It was for us. First Corinthians two sixteen says, for Who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him. But we have what? The mind of Christ. Mm. The mind of Christ. He was with God the Father before the creation. Knew everything that he was capable of doing then and knew that even on this earth as a man, he still was capable of doing what he did before the foundations of the world. He believed because he knew what was in him. Do not think like the world thinks. Don't think. The way the world thinks. If the world says it, you can almost. Pastor Goodluck said here one time. He says, "If the if if you hear this voice, if the devil tells you to go this way, then go this way." That's kind of what it is with the world. If the world says this is true, guess what it is? It's a lie. Okay. They'll say the facts say. Fact is that's a chair. Yeah, that's a fact, all right. But it's just a chair. It doesn't move or doesn't do anything, it's just there. We can't make more of something than it is, okay? Romans twelve two. Don't think like the world. It says, Do not be conformed to this world. What does it mean to conform to something? To be a part of something, right? I don't have my... Yeah, I got one up here. If I were to take and put something around this, all the way around it, and conform it, and then cut it, break it out, and then put it back together, and pour something back in, it would... Basically, what I'm doing is, if I put something around, what it conforms to this, and becomes conformed to it, just like it. To be conformed to something just like this. Okay? We're not... It says. It says here... And do not be conformed to this world. If this is the world, don't become Ozark water. Okay? Don't become what this says. And the thing about it is, many times, because of, of where we are and being around people, some people call them friends. But any friend who tries to change your mind about what this says is not your friend. Did everybody understand that? Anybody that you call friend that tries to change your mind about God and what God is and what God says He is, they're not your friend because they will try to conform you to them and if you stay around them, you will become like them, and you won't be like this anymore. Okay? That's what it says. I'm not, I'm not doing it, the Word says it. Blame God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. That means that we've got to do something with our mind and change it from the way that it was. If we accept Jesus Christ and we don't change the way we think, have we changed? There's a lot of people that come up and confess Jesus Christ. They say they say the prayer, but they never change. If there's no change takes place, what happened? You just said some words. Nothing changed. Right? But it said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God. Remember this. God is able. God is willing. Nothing is impossible with God. And Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, Meditate, think on these things, not what the world has to say. All right. Change the way we see God, change the way we think. Now we have to change how we speak. Now I'm not going to get into a whole lot of that because Pastor Goodluck has has taught us and taught us and taught us about how to speak. Our words have power. As we've been taught around here, what we say determines the course of our lives. What we say determines the course of our lives. You say things in your marriage that you don't need to say about your spouse, and the way you see them, you just unleashed what you wanted If you want something good in your marriage, speak good into your marriage. Speak good things. Do good things. How we speak. It's like a rudder on a ship. It directs our path of life. This is is hard. It's hard for me. But this is reality. Where we are today... It's the products of the words that we have spoken in the past. Where we are today is what we have spoken into our life in the past. Where we are tomorrow will be determined by the words that we speak today. If we can change our words, we can change the direction of our life. We can move mountains that are in our life by the Word of God, but we have to change the way that we speak. James discusses in chapter 3 about the tongue and the rudder of the ship. He says, indeed, in uh, James 3, we put bits and mouths of horses so that they obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at the ships. Also, They are so large that when they are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit. What is it in that scripture? And those who love it will eat its fruit. A little English lesson here. The tongue is it. If you live by your tongue, that's what you're going to get. You live by what your tongue says. And those who love it will eat of it. You will eat what you say. One way or the other. And if we could take that concept, me, I'm pointing at me, take that concept and remember what comes out of this, I'm going to have to live tomorrow, we would be much more careful about what comes out of this. Okay? If we knew for sure if you knew for sure that what you said today you would have to live tomorrow would you change what you say? Would you watch what you say? Our prayers are the same way in believing God. Whatever. Okay. Too often we speak out what we see and what we feel. My Christianity is is not based on what I see. It's not based on what I feel. My Christianity is based on what I know. I know that I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. And I asked Jesus to come into my life 50 years ago. And I am What I said back then, I am a born still to this day, 50 years later. I still know that what I said 50 years ago is still relevant in my life today. I'm just as saved now as I was then. And I was saved then as much as I am now because my salvation is eternal. Conditionally, of course, but it's eternal. And I had that. But many times we, can, we confess what we see in the paper. We confess what we see in the news. Sometimes we talk back at it. Even though they can't hear, we have to voice our feelings. We can't be moved by feelings. We must be moved by knowledge and wisdom and understanding of God. When we get caught up In all of the things around us that are natural, we lose sight of the spiritual. And the spiritual is the one that's everlasting. That's the one that's there. That's the one that's for us. Why not change what we say to the good and positive things of God? We need to stop limiting what God can and won't do for us. So we change the way we see God. We change the way we think. We change the way we speak. Lastly, we need to change our expectations. Many times people pray with no expectation, no expectation of the answer. I stand today. I stand in the gap. Today, for my best friend, here, standing, because I'm just holding his place. My expectation is great because I serve a great God. God is bigger than anything. The man who normally stands here believes that with all of his heart. Romans 8, 24 says, For we were saved in this hope, but the hope that is seen is not hope. But the hope that is seen is not hope. Because if you see it, there's nothing left. To hope for. We have to quit being satisfied with the hope that we see and begin to strive with our expectations of that hope that we do not see. Changing our expectations changes the outcomes in our lives because we see past what we have and look to what we hope for. For when does one still hope for what he sees? I can't hope for something that I have. I already have it. Right? If you have something, you already have it. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. We hang on and we hold on to it. I see it, I see it in hope. I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it. That's our expectations. Do we see it? Let our expectations be the expectations that God has for us. Psalm 62, 5 says, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. My expectations is not what I can accomplish, what I can do, but it's what God can do for me. My expectations, I'm waiting for what God, what's coming from Him. God wants to take us to new levels of victory in our lives. He wants us to grow. He wants us to get going. Ephesians 3 says, Now to Him who is able to exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works us. To Him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations. My generation. Your generation. The generation to come. The generation after that. It doesn't stop until when He comes and takes us away from this place. Then we live with Him. Praise God. We're looking for that day. God can do anything. I think we all know that. Far more than we could ever imagine, guess, or even request. Even in our wildest dreams. He does... He doesn't do it by pushing us around, but by working within us. His Spirit, deeply and gently, within inside of us. It's that still small spirit inside of us that speaks to us to guide us into the great expectations of what God really has for us. This church, God has great things ready for this church. But we've got to kick the sides out of the box. We've got to quit worshiping the way we've always worshipped. We've got to get a hold of God. We've got to get on our face before God. We got to get back to the altars. Where's the altars? Anywhere you find is an altar. One day, we're going to stand in the presence of Almighty God, and I guarantee you you better be in practice on getting on your face before God because that day you will. I don't believe you'll be able to stand in the presence of God. Such magnitude. Such greatness. God is limitless. We are the ones limiting God. Take the limits off of God. Untie his hands. Change how you see God, change how you think about God, change how you speak. And whatever you do, expect more. Don't expect less. Don't ever be satisfied with what you have spiritually. Because all of us can grow in our spiritual walk. We have not arrived. We've just begun. So it's important for us. But I ask you today, church... Are you ready today? Are you ready today to take the limits off? To take the limits off your life? Are we ready to take the limits of the Ark Fellowship? And quit saying, our pews are empty. And start saying, our pews are full. I see them full. I believe they're full. I'm preaching to a full crowd this morning. Josh, you see that group? Full, every seat taken, standing room only. Children's church, standing room only. Here, standing room only. Multiple services. Why? Because we expect more than we have. And I'm not satisfied with what we have because I know how big God is. Are you ready? Stand with me if you will. Praise the Lord. I always like to introduce you, good people, to some old songs. And you may not know this song. My wife said she didn't know it. Joy said she didn't know it. Probably a lot of you don't know it. But I know it. I texted Amy this morning. She said she didn't know it. That's not. I mean, you got to realize how old my brain is. But I woke up this morning singing this in my dreams. So I sent her a message and sent Teresa a message and said, "Can you get the words to the song? Put it up there." And The song is "How Big Is God?" And I want to read you the verse because I don't think I can say it. Though man may strive. To go beyond the reach of space. Space exploration, we're we're fascinated by space. To crawl beyond the distant shimmering stars. How many million light years do we have to go just to get to the first star other than our sun? This world's a room so small within the master's house. The open sky is but a portion of his yard. How big is God? How big do you see God this morning? I'll sing it for you and then you can join in if you know it. My voice holds out. Give me the what would key? Okay. How big is God? How big? And why his best domain To try to tell These lips can all He's big enough To rule his mighty The universe My voice just won't do it Yet small enough He can live right here. The vastness of God is resident right here. But He's so big that what we see is nothing more than His front yard because how big He is. We've got to start looking bigger, folks. Quit putting the limits on. Sing it. You guys sing it, I can't sing it. How big is God? How big and wide his vast domain to try to tell these lips can only start. He's big enough. Yet small enough to live within my heart. Thank you, Amy, for struggling with me. <clears throat> but I hope you, maybe I couldn't sing it because of my voice, but keep that song in your heart. Realize how big God is. If you're here this morning, you may not know God. You may not have accepted Him. Or you may have at one time accepted Him but have fallen away. You need to come back to the reality of the God that you serve because when we accept God, we change. If we haven't changed, we need to check on where we are if our life hasn't changed. But I'm going to stand down here if you don't know Jesus or you've Maybe falling away or you're not sure if you come down I'll pray with you this morning to show you what it takes to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is there one a lot of people like to do it silently up to you if you want to do that but if you don't know Jesus I invite you to come and accept Him today but how many of you are ready to expand your variety, your vision? How many of you begin to look at God and look for what God's greatness that He wants in you? Can you just raise your hands and say, Lord, I want more. More of you. I want more, God, of you. God, open the windows of heaven. God, amen. minister, Lord, today. and every one of us. Our prayer team's coming for anyone who needs prayer for sickness or any situations that you might have in your life or prayer team come to pray with you. We want to invite you to come. I want to invite all of you to get a hold of those that look around and the people you don't see. Tell them we serve a big God and that God will protect us. We need to come back together as a unified body of Christ. If there's any time in this church's History that we need to be united in faith. It's now. It's now. It's time for everybody to come home. I'm talking to all of you out there. It's time to come home. The pandemic will be with us forever. I'm not saying that is a negative thing, but flu has been with us forever. And it's nothing more than flu on steroids. So somebody's going to fight. Flu next year, I guarantee. You. It's just the way it is. But it's time to come to back together as a unity in God. Amen. How many of you believe that with me? Amen. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you go with us to our homes. God, take the word that went forth today. Lord, don't let it just be a time that we're moved. God, let it bring change in our lives. God, let it be the vision that we all see as we look at you holding the universe in your hands. And we is nothing but a speck. But God, that you're so big that none of our problems even touch you. Because God, you're so big. Now God, I pray that you take that. Lord, if there's someone here who doesn't know you as a personal Savior, God, I pray that they come up here to this prayer team or find a place to accept you, Lord. And God, we praise you. Take us to our homes. Keep a hedge of safety around each and every one. Let us go home with no accidents. God bring us back to the next appointed time to worship you, to praise you, and to see, God, how limitless you are. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And God richly bless you as you go. Lord bless you.